The TV voice of the Braves gets ready for round two. I stepped into a really good situation, and I am aware of that. Last year was a ton of fun, and, and hopefully we can have some more fun here in year two and beyond. From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, this is the Braves Report, presented by Kroger, the podcast that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black in Atlanta and in Northport, Florida. It's our AJC Braves Beat reporter, Justin Toscano. And uh, Justin, it's our first big interview of the year. And we will uh, start it off with the guy who most of our listeners will be hanging out with every night coming up this spring. That's Brandon Gaud of Valley Sports. Yeah, that was awesome. I just want to give, you know, an early thank you to Brandon for doing that and spending a lot of time with us and taking time out of his day and his offseason and his prep work for his college basketball games that he's going to call upcoming. Um, it was one of my favorite interviews I've ever done because of how candid Brandon is and how genuine he is. Like what you see on this, you know, on this podcast is kind of what you get when you're talking to him down at batting practice. But Jay, I don't want to talk too much longer. Let's get into it and then let's get into the All right, coming up. We'll uh, talk to Brandon about how he handled this historic season, his first of the year, what he's most proud of as the new Braves announcer. And we've got some thoughts on the 2024 team as well. And some of your questions in our Ask Brandon segment. This is your first time listening to the show. Welcome aboard, and please make sure you follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. And Kroger Chef Jr. is back, as we are calling all aspiring kid chefs. Come join your local Kroger Chef for a guided kids' cooking experience, making Melon Ball Parfait on March the 2nd and March the 16th. Select Kroger locations. Each Kroger Chef Jr. is a 30-minute class where your child will receive an apron and patch, a chef's hat, recipe card and holder plus a melon baller for only seven dollars per child so register your time period today at krogerchefjr.com that is krogerchefjr.com and junior is spelled out j-u-n-i-o-r and now we're joined by the tv voice of the braves from valley sports brandon gauden and i'm back here in atlanta justin's down at northport florida in the braves press box brandon where in the world are you coming to us from I am in Atlanta. I actually have a couple of days here, and then I'll be back in Big Ten country covering college basketball. But these days at home in my own bed right now are cherished, and so I'm taking <laughs> advantage of them. <laughs> I want to uh, congratulate you. Your first year, year in Atlanta, you walk right in the door, win the Georgia Sportscaster of the Year, yada, yada, yada. So congratulations for showing us all how it's done in your first year in Atlanta. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I've said this many times and I mean it. It's not just deflecting praise. It helps to have a really good team, right? And the Braves were very good. It also helps to have another good team in a group led by the Bally Sports folks that are top notch. And I stepped into a really good situation and I am aware of that. Last year was a ton of fun, and, and hopefully we can have some more fun here in year two and beyond. And you you told us when you started your job last year, this was a dream job for you. You walk right in, first time since 1976, someone not named Carey's calling the games. And the response from Braves fans seems pretty overwhelmingly positive. Was your first year everything you thought it would be? It's hard to believe that it's almost a year to the date since we spoke when I first got the job and it was a whirlwind and I felt like I was drinking out of a fire hose. There was a mix of emotions of excited, a little nervous, how's this going to go, et cetera. And in some ways that year feels like it was a week long, like it's a blur. And in some ways it feels like that's an entire lifetime ago. And it's hard to describe that, but I will say that I knew Braves country was awesome because I was a part of Braves country as a fan for the first 38 years of my life. 
Now, seeing Braves country from a different perspective is even cooler because going on the road trips and seeing just the enormity of this fan base and the passion of this fan base, it is not just something that I'm saying for lip service. It is different. Uh, And I know Yankees, Dodgers, they have big fan bases, right? But the Braves have a ginormous fan base. A lot of it is because of that TBS syndrome that went through the 90s. That's how I fell in love with the Braves. And you run into all these these Braves fans around my age that now have kids and their kids are becoming Braves fans. And it's just really cool. So getting to kind of be a part of that on this end of it, I would say was one of the most rewarding things of year one in this job. You uh, you picked a pretty good year to get the job, man. I mean, I felt like on on the riding side, it was so difficult to keep track of all the milestones. You had Acuna's season. You had Olsen's season. You had Strider's season. You had all the team records. I can't really imagine what your Microsoft, you know, OneNote page <laughs> looked like. I know that's how you prepare, but I've I kind of wanted right now. <laughs> oh my god. I kind of wanted to ask you because on the writing side, it almost feels like you've got to it feels like so much pressure day in day out to capture the vibe and to be the sort of the record of all these milestones. On the broadcast side, the way I think about you is I think of like meet the moment. You did that time and time and time again. What? How did you deal with the pressure of all these milestones happening kind of all at one time? Yeah, I honestly did not feel pressure in that regard. I guess I just felt how special the moment was and I enjoyed the heck out of it. I really, as those records were kind of falling one by one at the end of the season, I probably felt the gravity of the Ronald Acuna 70 or 40-70 season the most, just because that was the one that was talked about the most nationally. But those moments that all came with Olsen, with Strider, with the team hitting 307 homers, they all just kind of felt special and cool in their own way. And I guess I wasn't in that moment thinking of, not necessarily don't screw this up or what does this mean long-term, but just, wow, this is really neat to be a part of this and in my first season. Uh, And again, growing up a Braves fan and and knowing all the Braves teams of the past and all the amazing things that this franchise has accomplished, to have all those new things be checked off the proverbial bucket list was unbelievable. And it, it just seemed like it kept happening, like you said, Justin, night after night after night. And you would think, okay, how am I gonna tell this story differently? How am I going to put a unique twist on this? And that's the challenge that I like. You mentioned Microsoft OneNote, which is the program that I use to keep all of my numbers and stories in just to kind of chronicle and organize everything. And every night, these players' pages of notes would get longer and longer and longer. And I would try to think of how can I engage Frenchie or Peter, whoever else Glab was in the booth with me, and just kind of have a unique twist on the conversation. So I guess my mind was more focused on that letting the viewer know how unique these records were being broken rather than the record itself and just kind of letting that moment take care of itself when it came. What was uh, what was your favorite call from last season? Ooh, um, I go back to Acuna reaching that mark because, again, it felt it felt like that was a milestone that we didn't know if anybody would ever get there. Um and people thought if someone was going to do it, it would be Ronald Acuna. And so when he hit the homer in L.A., obviously he didn't have 70 stolen bases at that time. Um, 
but it just kind of it kind of felt like a big moment when he hit that homer out in Los Angeles. I wish selfishly it would have been at home, but the fact that it was against the Dodgers was pretty cool. Uh, and then lo and behold, he would go on and, and hit the 70 stolen base mark. Um, but yeah, probably that homer out in Los Angeles, I would say for Ronald Acuna, maybe maybe felt the biggest to me. Right. Jay, Jay mentioned the sportscaster of the year. I think what I find most impressive about you or maybe one of the most impressive qualities you have as I watch a broadcast as I listen to you you kind of let the analysts do their thing and I like that because I think that some people in your position might have a tendency to talk a lot or like to hear themselves talk and I really liked how when you came in it seemed like you had known Frenchie for 15 20 years and that you guys had worked together for 10 of those and I remember you mentioning that the first time I spoke to you that when you called Jeff, you felt like you'd known him for a long time. You were able to blend so well with him. Now you've got CJ Nikowski, a former big league pitcher. He's done, you know, he has his own radio show. He knows, you know, a lot about broadcasting. What do you think it's going to be like to blend with CJ and, and kind of get, you know, a different personality in the booth there? Yeah, I like the challenge of working with different people. So last year, yes, a lion's share of the games were with Frenchie, but I did quite a few with Peter Moylan, uh, quite a few with Nick Green, of course, Tom Glavin, and then John Smoltz did uh, six at the end of the season. And I kind of like that they each brought something different to the table. And I like the challenge of, okay, I'm working with John Smoltz today. What are his strengths? What does he like to go to in the pitching realm? Okay, now I'm with Frenchie. I know there's certain things he likes to talk about with hitting and base running. And I like to kind of push them in that regard and try to bring out the best conversation. And, you know, I think what you said about Frenchie and I getting along, a majority of that credit should go to him. Uh, and he probably wouldn't say that because he would deflect too. But he was the one who had been there, who was established, who had a great rapport with Chip Carey. And now you've got somebody new coming in that's a totally different dynamic. And he embraced me from day one. And that first conversation we had, I mean, you guys have gotten to know Jeff. There is not a more outgoing. He's like a, a golden retriever puppy. <laughs> And yep. you can't help but love a golden <laughs> retriever puppy. And Jeff, and I mean that in the best way, Jeff is full of life and energy and he loves everybody. Uh, and he embraced me from day one. And I just felt like that put me at ease to where when we went down to Northport and had that first broadcast, I felt like I was truly sitting down to a real, next to a really good friend. And over the course of the season, that friendship just grew and grew and grew. And so that was, it was a lot of fun, but I appreciated the dynamic and the change of pace when the other guys would come in the booth. And so I say all of that to say with CJ coming in, and I've gotten together with CJ a couple of times, and we were at Braves Fan Fest together, and I cannot wait for Braves Country to hear this guy. They're going to love him. He is different from Jeff, but he is a true, uh, this is going to sound cliche, but he is a student of the game. Obviously, he pitched in the majors for a long time. He, he has that on his resume. That's great, and that's, that's all important. Uh, but this guy has never stopped learning the game. Uh, he is a guy who is on Sirius MLB radio a lot, and there's a reason he's on there, because he's darn good at breaking down baseball. And what I like is some people hear that and th they think, oh, no, this is going to be a guy that's just going to regurgitate numbers. He has the ability. He he's so good at talking in sound bites. 
and breaking down something that seems complex and doing it in a simple manner so that the average fan can understand it. That is not easy to do. It's something that I'm constantly working on. CJ and listening to him, and I went back and listened to some of his Rangers telecasts where he was the last seven seasons, he does that as well as anybody. And I think Braves fans, it's not going to take long, if even a week or two, before they're going to say, wow, we, we found a gym. And Jeff's still going to be around. Jeff's going to work yeah. about 35 games. Uh, but but Braves country's really going to like CJ and what he brings to the table. Well, since uh, Frenchie's taking a step back, does this mean you get to be a part of the Chipper Glavin Smoltz show, or do you have to sit out again? <laughs> <laughs> no, I will sit those out. And, and honestly, I know that there have been talks in doing that again. I do not know. I'm not just trying to hide something. I don't know if they have that set in stone or not. My guess is they're going to figure that out as the season goes. Because last year, beginning of the season, they told me what they wanted to do, that they wanted to try one of those. And it went so well, that first Mets broadcast, that they said, we want to do another one. And I mean to tell you when I say I'm all for it, not just because it was nice to have the night off. It's nothing like that. It would it would have been a thrill to be in the booth with those guys, but five would have been way too many, and they did not need me. They did not need for you know, it's regular season baseball. When those guys sat there for those nine innings of that first Mets game and rolled in that old tape and shared stories, and you heard Chipper break down hitting and Smoltz and Glab break down pitching and Jeff throw in his humor. And Jeff was incredible at playing host. I, I don't think people realize how good Jeff was at kind of piloting that conversation. It's not easy with four people, but he did it. It was like the perfect telecast. And I sat on my couch and I enjoyed that just as much as every other Braves fan. I felt like a seven-year-old kid again. I felt like the kid back in Southern Indiana that fell in love with the Braves on TBS. These are some of my childhood idols all talking Braves baseball, and, and, and the production crew to put together all the elements that they did, it was just so incredibly well done. I kind of want to go to your first post-grad job a bit, because I think when I when we first talked, that's that's what struck me about you, is, is your path to doing this. And I think a lot of fans, when they see you on TV, it's like, oh, it's so cool that he gets to do that. It's his dream job. How can I do that? A lot of broadcasting students think that. You took the steps, man. You were in Orem. That first post-grab job, and I remember you told me, one of your mentors telling you, if you can handle that, like, you really love this. And I don't think I asked then, and I wish I would have. I'm curious, what are a couple of the moments where you were like, okay, like, I really love this, man. Like, it's long, it's difficult, but I really love this. When did that set in for you? Yeah, so that league, the Pioneer League, which still exists, but the Ormals actually are no longer in it. They moved. And, and Orem is right by Provo, so right where BYU is. I lived in on BYU's campus with a couple of BYU students. I paid $110 to live in the basement with three BYU students. And I was making $500 a month and living on clubhouse peanut butter and jelly. And so all those things factored in. But I'm right out of college. I'm the same age as a lot of the players. So I knew that I would probably get along with the players and enjoy the social aspect of it. But I knew it was very little money and it was 76 games in 80 days. And everyone told me, hey, you know, these are long bus trips through the mountains of the Intermountain West and you're going to be staying in really bad hotels. And they said, what's good about that is, like you said, Justin, at the end of that, if you still want more, that's a good sign. And our first trip, I believe, was to Great Falls in Montana. And we went up there and we drove through the middle of the night. We had a game the night before, drove through the middle of the night, checked into the hotel, slept for a couple of hours, went to the field, had BP. And I remember 
getting on air that night in the first inning and having a lot of energy and being ready to rock and roll. And yes, it was earlier in the season, but that was the first time where I said, this feels right. Uh, There's nothing about me that doesn't want to be here right now. Uh, There's no part of me that doesn't want to be here right now. And there were several moments like that after long bus trips where we would get up and go to the park on a little sleep the next day after staying in a uh, I've got so many funny hotel stories, but um, after staying in a not so great hotel, and I said, I don't mind that one bit. I, I want to be a part of this. And at the end of the season, I did end up getting out of baseball for a little bit after that because my father had a couple of health issues. Um, but ultimately, the, the path that I had started on felt right. And, and I said, you know what? This thing that I've wanted to do since I was a kid, broadcast and broadcast specifically baseball, I said that I think I'm on the right track, and it felt that way from day one. Since then, you've done a variety of things, a couple of them being Fox Sports and Big Ten Network. You do those games in the offseason, folks. If there's a familiar voice, you're probably hearing correctly. It's probably Brandon calling (laughs) some of those Big Ten games. Whenever I'm watching any of those, or college sports in general, broadcasters mention, well, we heard this in the production meetings, this, you know, I'm always so, like being a sports nut, especially a big college sports fan, I'm always so intrigued about what goes on in those things. And I'm wondering if there's like a couple cool stories you can share with us that are fit for audio, fit for podcast that like about these coaches you've gotten to meet. Yeah. And each sport is different. So football is certainly the most involved. And when you hear about production meetings, a lot of those stem from football because football, you have one game a week. Um, Now, sometimes I used to do two where I would go from college to NFL, and that's a little bit more cumbersome. And sometimes you miss those production meetings because you have two games back to back. But if you take a week where I would just have one game a week, you spend the entire week prepping for that one game. So I'm at home working and people always say, what do you do during the week? Well, I watch film, I research, I read, I compile all my notes and I try to put everything together into a neat little document so that I have it organized. And then Thursday night comes around, you get on the plane and you travel. Friday, you meet with a home football team. I'm talking about for a Sunday NFL game. Friday, you meet with a home team. They practice and then at their facility, you always meet with quarterback, both coordinators, head coach, and then usually some star on the defensive side of the ball as well. And then on Saturday, when the visiting team gets in town, you go to their hotel and you do the same process of meeting with those people for the visiting team. And you get so much out of those. In fact, there's so many times where you get to Friday of a football game and you are thinking, I cannot process any more information on this game. I've got way too much. I don't know how to fit all these stories in because ultimately people want to know about the game. And sometimes you can get bogged down and, gosh, I've got 20 Lamar Jackson stories. They're so good, but I can't share them all. And then you go and you sit down with those guys and they give you such good stuff. And you're like, well, crap, I don't even have any more space to write any more notes down. How am I going to jam all of that in? And and Justin, I know when you're doing a story, you probably feel the same. You're like, well, I have X amount of words. I have all this stuff I want to include. (laughs) How am I going to pare this down? And it's the same for a broadcaster. Um, But those production meetings are invaluable and you always get good nuggets out of there. And I would say there's a lot of stories that I have, but I mentioned Lamar Jackson and one that jumps out to me is I remember meeting with him at several years ago now before they played Arizona. So it was Kyler Murray in Arizona, Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, 
And I remember meeting with Lamar Jackson, who is still young, but was even younger at the time. And at the end of that meeting, I wanted to run through a brick wall for him. Like I said, I want to play for that guy. And I had seen some interviews with him, but when he sat with no camera and the doors closed and just talked football, and I was like, wow, it is amazing how smart these guys are how they know coverages, how they read defenses. You take it for granted and you think, oh, he's young. They pour hours and hours into film study. And so that's the first thing that kind of hit me when I started doing those games was these dudes are really, really smart. And they spend a lot of time in this. And I, and I, I just remember saying, man, I, I would love to play with Lamar Jackson. Uh, he wouldn't want me on his team. But uh, <laughs> I thought, man, it'd be really cool. And there were several moments like that. I remember meeting with Larry Fitzgerald kind of on the other end of the spectrum, a guy who was at the end of his career. And he comes in and he had just watched like his sons or daughters uh, practice. And you realize they're also people. They've got families. They've got wives. And, and, and children, and, and, but he would come in there, and I just remember how wise he was. And I was the same age, I think I am the same age as him, but I just thought, man, this guy's really more advanced than me in life. Like he's got, he had such a, a wise perspective. So I think I, I've taken, what I've taken from those meetings is kind of a lot of stuff off the field, more so than on the field, and an appreciation for what it takes to be a professional athlete. Um, that's a long-winded answer. Uh, you do meet with coaches for basketball as well, but during the day of the game, what they do is they have something called a shoot-around, which is just a quick, light practice, and you go and you talk with the head coaches. So you do get information, but it's just so much different uh, th- than when you cover a full-scale football game. Well, the game every night, what's the Braves version of those production meetings and where you get your nuggets from? Yes, so it, it and there's there's a different answer to that because when you do a game as kind of the team broadcaster like I am with the Braves, you're coming at it from a different angle. So I know that our viewers want to hear eighty to ninety percent Braves information. I always want to take pride in not neglecting the other team. When somebody comes up from the other team, I still want to share their story and that they're you know seventeen to their last twenty. They're on a hot streak right now, and here's where they come from. Because I think if I'm watching at home, I enjoy those things. And so I I think that other people do too. But I also know that they want that conversation to come back to the Braves. So your your prep uh, as doing this every day for the Braves is just trying to absorb as much information as you can from Brian Snicker, from the coaches, and from the players at batting practice. And even I've gotten a lot of good stuff on the plane and on the bus on the way over to to the ballpark. Any time that I can kind of get those guys in a casual setting, and I think there, there there becomes a level of trust built up, right? They know, I hope they know, and I hope they continue to know, if they say something that should not be shared, I would never burn them, right? There, there's there's stuff in all of our lives that, that doesn't need to be public, and I don't mean bad stuff, but just, just stuff that they may say off the record that you don't want to take on the record. Um, but in those conversations, you get a lot of good on the record stuff about, you know, I remember talking with Austin Riley last year about his swing when he and Jeff and I were talking. There was a lot of great stuff that I took about the mechanics of his swing and the changes he was trying to make. Um, and there's just things like that where you want to absorb as much information as you can in those conversations so that you can share that on air. Because when you're doing a game every night and a lion's share of the audience is the same, I'm always wondering, okay, what can I tell them new? What can I teach them new that they may not have known from the game before? Um, And so, yeah, it's just a different cadence versus if I'm doing a baseball game for Fox and I didn't do any of those last year, but I did the year before, 
I'm taking in my mind and thinking, okay, the average viewer is not an expert on these teams. And so I'm giving more of a 40,000 foot view, kind of an intro of these players and these teams. Well, when you're doing it for the Braves telecast, you can dig deeper because you're, you're talking to a lot of fans that know the general storyline. So it's kind of a different way to approach it. I'm thinking back to when you were in high school and went to that high school baseball game, called that game, your first ever call. You've been doing this for about half your life, man. I And I, I'm putting you on the spot here, but what was the best game you've ever called? Like the best game, whether it was the craziest game or the best moment. Like I'm wondering if there's one for you. Hmm. Not one. There's not one that just jumps out. Um, when I was... The best ending, I believe, I was a part of was college basketball. Gonzaga and Butler, both were top 15. College game day was there. And Butler stole the ball and hit a buzzer beater at Hinkle Fieldhouse to win 64-63. That was back in 2013. It was after their two final four years. And that's the loudest I've ever heard of basketball, Jim. And you know, a lot of people... I'm from Indiana, so I also love basketball. And Hinkle Fieldhouse, you know, it was in the movie Hoosiers. People know of it. It's iconic. Something about a buzzer beater in that building and Butler Gonzaga, two programs that kind of rose from the small level to become a high le higher level of stardom. Uh, there was something special about that moment that I'll always remember. And I went to Butler, and that so that makes the icing mm -hmm. on the cake, right? Um, but there were this past year – with the Braves, if I boiled it down to last season, and I know you didn't ask for that, but people have asked me that, there were so many games that I love, but I would say the, the one moment that sticks out to me above the rest was the home opener against San Diego, because it's the first time that I got to sit in that home booth. And that's, I think, when the emotions of what this job meant to me really hit me. I got there early. I sat down in that chair and just kind of had a moment to myself looking out over the stadium and the green grass and the, the dirt where it just kind of all sunk in that, wow, I've been really blessed and I'm fortunate to do this. So I knew that that game was going to be special regardless. But then for the Braves to win on the walk-off hit by Orlando Arcia and to get to punch that call and then I laid out and just listened to the roar of the crowd. And I get, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because I had dreamt that moment in my mind so many times. And then to get to live that out and just enjoy it uh, from a different perspective was, was something that I will always remember for the rest of my life. All right, stand by. Coming up, we'll get Brandon's thoughts on the 2024 season, and he'll answer some of your questions as well. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome back to the Braves Report. And Braves Report listeners, don't forget, we've got a, a special offer, the best really we've ever had to try to help you join our community and subscribe to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. It's the biggest deal in the South. For a limited time, subscribe to the AJC and you will get digital access for just $1.99 per week for the rest of your life. Again, that is the rest of your life as long as you keep your subscriptions. That's to get all of our sports coverage, politics coverage, breaking news, in-depth investigations, food and dining, and more from AJC.com every day for the rest of your life. You'll unlock access to our app, exclusive films and events, and newsletters. So subscribe now by going to AJC.com slash start. That is AJC.com slash start. It's a great deal for a greater Atlanta. This is only for new subscribers. Now let's continue our conversation with Brandon Gordon. All right, man. Well, we've gotten 20 minutes in this podcast without even discussing your assignment this year. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've heard. I know you're back in Atlanta and we're actually semi-neighbors. I don't know if you've heard, but these guys are pretty good. And they're saying World, <laughs> they're saying World Series or bust this year. Brandon, what are your initial thoughts on the 2024 Braves and the improvements they made from last year? Yeah, uh, you guys, as I told you before we came on the podcast, Justin, you and Sarah and the others down there have really been my eyes and ears just because I'm not at Northport. And so what I do at the end of every day, it's the last thing I do before bed, I scour all of your guys' tweets and articles to see, okay, what can I learn? What can I add to my Microsoft OneNote document about this team? And the first thing that came from the opening articles that you guys wrote, you and Bo and DOB, was World Series or bust. And I and it's hard to, for me to put the, that pressure on those guys, but I think those guys put that pressure on themselves because that's what they expect. And it is the best team in baseball. It, ju- it just is. It's the most talented lineup. Uh, the pitching rotation is wonderful. The bullpen has gotten better. And so you can never guarantee a World Series because to take one team against the field in any sport is just the odds are just tough. But the Braves are the odds-on favorite in my mind. And so I, I like that mentality that the players have embraced that. I don't know if you can top all the offensive records uh, from last year, but somehow I do think this team, at least on paper, got a little bit better with a star, at least a potential star in Kelnick and left field. Chris Sale, if he can stay healthy, uh, obviously at one point in time is one of the best pitchers in the game. Uh, And then, as we said, the bullpen has gotten better. So they've kind of plugged a few little holes if there were any holes last year. And I'm just excited to see where this team takes us. I I tend to agree with you. And a a lot of people on whether it's Radio Hits or Jay on this podcast have asked, like, are they better than the Dodgers? And I think the question should almost be asked the other way around. Because when I look at those two rosters, I almost see a little bit of a house of cards in L.A., you know, injury issues that could happen and the lack of depth compared to the Braves. Do you see the same? Am I crazy? I know they had a billion dollar offseason, but I look up and down this Braves roster here in camp and I just, I don't see any weaknesses. I don't see any holes. And if there were any injuries, I see depth. Uh, do you think they have that edge over the Dodgers because of that as well? 
Yep, 100%. You said the word depth. Uh, the Dodgers are going to get a lion's share of the headlines nationally. They're the Dodgers, A, right? Bigger market, et cetera. And now they've got the superstar effect. Uh, and they had superstars. Now they've got Shohei. And so it's it's going to be, for some Braves fans, frustrating, I think, at times that the Dodgers, especially early in the year as things get going, they will be the darlings. But if you look at the depth, I think the Braves have the Dodgers beat. I just and, and, and I really do mean that objectively. I tried to take a step back and look at both lineups and both rosters and both rotations. And yeah, there are injury concerns, certainly with Shohei and what he went through last year with a couple of the other guys that the Dodgers have. Yeah, the Braves have had their injury issues too, but I would say that the Braves are the safer bet. And because of that depth, I, I would. I would take the Braves over the Dodgers. Bally Sports is going to do eight games this spring training. You're going to have the first one on March the 20th. The first time that the Braves will air on Bally will be March the 10th. When you get down there in a couple of weeks, who are you really looking forward to seeing the most? Well, I'm looking forward to meeting Chris Sale and Jared Kelnick because, and some of those relievers too, but those are the two big acquisitions that I think fans are, are most curious about. And so just a chance to talk to those guys. I remember going down last year, I said it earlier that I felt like I was drinking out of a fire hose and I was. Thankfully, I had Jeff Rancourt who went down, we were on the same flight last year and he took me around. Jeff was unbelievable and he introduced me to everybody. And he broke the ice for me with the coaches and players, and that helped me get to know those guys. But this year, now that I have that base, I kind of I want to have conversations those first couple of days with all the returners, yes. But I also want to start to learn these new guys and, and build up that rapport and that trust factor with them. So And just learning from a guy like Chris Sale. You know, Jared Kelnick hasn't been around that long. Doesn't mean you can't learn from him, of course. He knows a lot about baseball. Uh, but Chris Sale, a veteran guy who has done it at the highest level for a long time, I think that's going to be another guy, kind of like a, a Charlie Morton type figure that you can you can pick the brain of and just soak in some of his knowledge and hear some of his stories. So I'm very excited for that. And then catching up with the coaches. Uh, I will miss Wash and EY dearly, just like everybody else will. Those guys, uh, I think, you know, Alex Anthopoulos said it best. He said, you don't really replace those guys. You just kind of have – you're not going to replicate them. You just have to do your best to bring in somebody else who's going to bring in a different perspective and also be a great coach. And I think the Braves have done that with Goodwin and Tui Asasopo. Uh, but I will miss those conversations. But I love talking to Snit. I love talking to Sal Fasano. There's so many guys that I just enjoy going down to batting practice and just kind of sitting around them and even listening to some of the conversations that other people have with them sometimes is even, is even more fascinating than me talking with them. Uh, so I'm just excited to get down there. You said the first broadcast we will do is the 20th. I'm going to go down a couple days before that. And, and like I said, just try to be a sponge and get this thing rolling. So I, I actually asked the people when you were on here, we went live, if they had any questions for you. We got some and then we'll get you out of here. I think people would kill me if I didn't ask this one because everybody asks me all the time, how do you do the Madden commentary? Can you take the people through the process? Can you take them through the process of recording those lines that they hear when they're playing for eight hours on end? Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Well, pre-pandemic, so I started doing the game with the analyst Charles Davis back in 2016. 
The Madden studio is down in Orlando. It's in Maitland on the north side of Orlando. So every Monday morning, I would fly down to Orlando and we would record Monday from 10 a.m. until about three in the afternoon. And then we would repeat the same thing on Tuesday. You could only record so many hours in a week because after those lines get recorded, they touch so many other people before they get put in the game. So you can't record 30 hours because then it would be too much on the editors and the programmers to implement it and put the commentary in. So it's mainly scripted. When I do the play-by-play, there's an incredible writer. He's brilliant. His name's Ed Brady, who has written for the Madden game since we started coming on there in 2016. And for my play-by-play portion when I'm by myself, it's like reading a telephone book. You're doing the same thing over and over and over, whether it's names or plays. They will tell me, okay, today we're doing passes. And if, if I was to read a line... Mahomes back to pass, throws to the right. It's caught by Kelsey across the 50, and he's brought down at the 47. Well, everywhere that I pause there is a different line, not only recorded probably on a different day, but sometimes a different month and even a different year. And so what's tough and challenging is to make your voice sound the same. And as you age, sometimes your voice changes a little bit in inflection. Um, But that's where I give the audio team for Madden a ton of credit because they have to make that sound like it's one fluid sound bite when in actuality it's called stitching. They're stitching the lines together. Uh, But most of that when it's by myself is just reading a script. When Charles and I do what we call two-man sessions for his portion of the analysis, so we're acting like the play is over, and they will tell us, the script will say, all right, they just went for it on fourth down, they failed, the other team's getting it with good field position. And they'll have suggested bullet points, but Charles and I pretty much ad-lib that. And so I'll just tee him up and I'll say, boy, Charles, they rolled the dice there, but that that is tough. Not only do you turn it over, but now they're going to have the ball in plus territory here. And yeah, and they got a great chance to add on to their lead, yada, yada, yada. So that is more back and forth and banter, but the play-by-play is pretty much all scripted. That's that's fascinating. That's so in the weeds that my head was getting into a little bit of a pretzel there. <laughs> As an audio nerd, that. I totally that's, enjoyed it. Uh, that's <laughs> fascinating. All right, I got a couple quick ones for you, then we'll get you out of here. Favorite city on the road? Uh, there were a lot that I loved. I love Denver. And even though the Rockies, I know they're going through some tough times right now. It's so beautiful out there. The weather <laughs> yeah. was wonderful. And... Uh, Man, I I would say last year, that's the one that jumps out to mind. Every day was like 70. The nights were cool. You could put on a little zip-up hoodie, uh, and the Braves won, so that made it even better. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite stadium food? I'm interested in this one. Ooh, favorite stadium food. Oh, I got it. Philadelphia. And and, and calm down, Braves fans. Don't don't get mad at me here. There's there's a reason for this. Philadelphia in the press room, they've got unlimited ice cream with a guy that's been around since the Ice Age called Two Scoop Frank. Justin, I know you know Two Scoop Frank. It and and he he they have a rotating array of flavors, and Frank is a great guy with a big smile on his face. And you go through there and you tell him what you want. And he's got a heavy hand. That's why they call him Two Scoop Frank. And he will load you up. And every day that we were in Philly last year, Frenchie and I had uh, an extra helping of ice cream. And I will be doing that again this year. So shout outs to to Two Scoop Frank. Still no love for the Phillies, but I do love Two Scoop Frank. Any press box that has ice (laughs) cream available, you get double points for that. But when there's a guy actually handing it to you with multiple flavors, it's hard to beat. Yes. 
It uh, Frankie two scoops. I can't wait till he's on the Hall of Fame ballot uh, because he des- he deserves to be there. This this person wants to know chances of you hitting a Spencer Strider fastball. <laughs> uh, is there anything less than zero? <laughs> I tell you what, my cousins and I often thought uh, that there would be a fun show to do called Average Joes, and I think there was something like it where you you drop people into those pressure situations, like you or I, Justin, against a Spencer Strider, and see how bad they embarrass themselves. And if anybody saw me saw me try to slide into second base last year, they know that uh, <laughs> I'm not the most fleet of foot. I, I'm certainly not a major league athlete. I, I don't even think if he threw a hundred fastballs, if I even nicked one of them, I would be honored and, and pleased with myself. But whatever below zero is, that that's the answer to that question. So. I, yeah, I remember there was a tweet. I think it was a couple of years ago. Somebody said they're just going to casually, you know, pull the, you know, hit this one four twenty to center field. It was like, and it, it kind of got spun out. Like, and we would, my friends and I would joke about it because it's like this person who legitimately thinks they could get thrown a BP little meatball and that they would hit it out of the infield is crazy. Like I don't, it's so difficult. Um, I I remember real quick. I remember back in Orem, you asked about my time there and those guys (laughs) one time let me take batting practice. And this is, this is from a coach who's lobbing them in there and trying to let me be successful. And I got a hold of one of them and I played sports in high school. I'm I'm not going to claim that I was a, a great college athlete or anything, but I got a hold of one and it like three hopped the fence. And it was, I thought I hit it 500 feet. And, and that's when I realized, and then these other guys come up there, 19, 20, and they're just knocking them out of the park. And that's when I realized, man, the gap between me and a pro athlete is vast, very vast. (laughs) It's, uh, I'm not ashamed to say, and baseball was not my best sport growing up, but I'm not ashamed to say that at the Arizona State Baseball Media Home Run Derby circa 20... 16 or 17 I got a few out of the infield but man like I always I'm always struck it when you do something like that I'm always struck at the weight of the bat and how much yes. strength it would take to have fat <laughs> yes. I have to like good bat speed you know absolutely man I'd like to see the video evidence of that by the way Justin Oh, I think there's oh, it's, it's got to be out there that, somewhere. I won't I won't I won't go looking is, for it too. Is hard. that buried with a Monica Lewinsky files? Can we bring that up? Somewhere? Oh my god, it's the Watergate <laughs> Watergate Tempe edition. Um no, okay. So this one this is a PG-13 podcast. So I'm going to try to ask okay. this one and, and let you know what I'm let you know what I'm getting at. Uh somebody wants to know let's just say how sad you are that you will not be able to call oh. Pierce Johnson you know, coming into the game for Brad Hand. Is that, is yeah. that, are you broken up? Yeah, yeah. That's a tough one. It's, it's <laughs> funny. I, I, we almost got to the point, Frenchie and I, where we would, we would say to Snit, like, hey, you're just playing with us, right? You're, you're intentionally, maybe playing with us is the wrong way to phrase that, but you're intentionally trying to get these guys to come into the game one after the other, right? Um, and so our poor producer, Gretchen Caney, who's as good as there is in the business, but she would just be in our ear saying, Okay, Johnson's on the mound, hands coming in. Please don't say anything stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. Brad Hand will be missed, but man, Pierce is still around, and I feel like we got a we got a couple good ones still lying beneath the surface. <laughs> there's there's there was the inches call too. I I remember yeah. that one famously. That was yeah. you know what that was. 
I respected the gall you had. That was in your first month on the job, I think. I think that was your first two weeks on the job. Yeah, I think it was the it was either the second or third game in Washington. And I remember I said the thing about the bases and immediately the line came to my head. And I and, and there was like that moment that seemed forever, but it was quick of do I say this or do I not say this? And I thought, here's here's what I thought. I said, you know, to me, that's going up to the line without jumping over it. I certainly didn't want to do anything to jump over it. I thought it was subtle enough. And uh, I don't know. Hopefully it was an okay decision. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, so last one I got for you here. <laughs> this, Kristen says, no question from me, but tell him we love him. And oh. here at the... Here at the Braves well, Report, we love you too. So thanks for coming on with us, man. It was a well, lot of fun, and we appreciate your time. And shoot, it's just like talking, you know, stories with you on here. I'm I'm excited to see you. Missing you here down in Northport, but I'm I'm rest assured we'll see each other end of spring training, and then on March 28th, already circled on the calendar for our first visit with Frankie Two Scoops. <laughs> can't wait, man. And yeah, all, all jokes aside, the the cool thing about the job that people don't get to see is that you get to be a part of a community, not just the Braves team, but going down to bratting practice, talking with you guys. That is all part of the fun. That's part of the privilege of doing this job. And that became such a joy every day to do that. And that's what I miss now in the off season. So I can't wait to get it going and uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you very much. All right, back here with Justin. We certainly appreciate Brandon's time. And now uh, we get to look forward to a couple of baseball games coming up this weekend. Braves take the field on Saturday. You're just going to make me talk about I'm, – I'm, after that, after they had to listen to that, now I get to come in and follow that. It's like it's like replacing Nick Saban, right? Like you don't want to follow the legend. You want to be the guy who fo- – the follows the guy who follows the legend. No, we get a couple baseball games, man. I'm excited. Uh, we've seen some live BP in this – first full squad week uh of camp and it's it's been interesting but jay i i can't go without baseball games it's um i'm pumped anything stood out to you in the first uh you know two or three full squad workouts live bp etc cetera, etc cetera? spencer strider is toying with i don't know that it's a new pitch i just think it's maybe a reshaped slider he still plans to you know he knows his bread and butter is the hard four seamer and then the hard slider with a lot of bite but uh it looked more like a curveball. So he was throwing a couple of those sliders that that looked like it had some more like bend and dive and whatever word you want to use. That definitely stood out. Don't know if that's going to be anything that lasts, but I think it's interesting because if he if one of the best pitchers in baseball, you know, the guy who might have the best stuff in baseball also adds something that looks like a curveball, I genuinely don't know how he's not going to win 10 Cy Youngs in a row. And then um Ronaldo Lopez, man, that stuff. Whew. I know he was facing Luke Williams, Forrest Wall, Eli White. Like it wasn't Austin Riley and Ronald Acuna, but that stuff is nasty. Like a hard thrower with that hard four seamer, um, and then dipping in a couple like sliders and curveballs. It's uh, I. It's been fun to watch these guys in lives, man. It's good to see the competition going a little bit, even if it's still a relaxed vibe. And we are inching forward now, real baseball, so to speak, from spring training in a couple of days. And we'll be back with you on Monday to get Justin's uh, first thoughts on uh, what he's seen as the Braves take on Tampa on Saturday. 
Please make sure you uh, help us out. Rate, review, follow, share, subscribe. That is the best way to help us grow this show. If you like what you hear, tell your friends, tell your enemies, and we'll see you on Monday on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.